Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Before I go into the message, uh, won't you just listen for a few minutes as I give you just a little background before we get and in, dive into the meat of the Word of God this morning. In keeping with our thing, following our omniscient guide, John 16 and 13 lets us know who should be the greatest influence in our lives. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the power by which we think, feel, and make decisions. In fact, we read in John 16 and 13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I want to attempt to provide an even greater understanding of the principle of following and the need to be careful about whom we are following. Understand to follow simply means to be led or influenced in a direction. We want to go in a direction God has for our destiny, even though it may not be smooth all the way. One emphasis we need to understand that when God guides you, he's leading you toward a greater purpose. You have a purpose, but he's leading you to a greater purpose. You have a destiny, but he's leading you to a greater destiny. How many understand that just because you led somewhere don't mean you can fulfill what God has called for you to do? You've got to continue to follow, and then when you get there, you've got to be led, still led by the Holy Spirit to complete what God has called for you to do. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It reads as follows here. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat it, eat of it, you shall surely die. The Lord places Adam in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. He further gives him a commandment telling him to stay clear of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of it. For in the day that Adam eats it, he shall surely die. Die is an interesting word because it doesn't mean literally uh, dead with no breath of life, but it means in this particular case to become separated from God. Adam was given an order of who not to follow. We see that the enemy is still back up as to his tricks today just as he was back in Genesis. He was trying to kill, steal, and destroy with his influence, persuasive nature, or by whatever means he could to accomplish his goal. You know, the devil use anybody, anything he can in order to separate you from the love of God. He'll do it. He'll do it. I promise you, I wish it wasn't true, but he will. Let's go to another example. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of his fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. The serpent being uh, his subtle self, subtle means cunning and crafty, used his influence to change the course of man's relationship with the one true God. He led Adam and Eve astray by his words. It's amazing how Adam knew the truth, but he did not follow the truth. He knew the order and consequences, yet he was still influenced by a thief who came to kill, steal, and destroy. To his defense, the key to any thief is that he does not look like a thief. Y'all know that a thief don't look like a thief, right? Somebody come to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't come with a sign that says, steal. I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to kill for you. I'm going to store for you. They look cunning and crafty. They're going to look like anybody else. One example I always tell you, when you go to the store, you never know who's on the other aisle of you. You never know who you're behind. You never know who's in front of you. In fact, let me say this to you real quickly. You never know who you're working with. Thank y'all for the five A's, man, right there. Sometimes you're working with folks that are deceptive. And you have to be careful that uh, of what you do and how you do it. Now, in my opinion, the Lord knew that man struggled with the need to follow or be influenced and that good and evil will be a sounding voice in the heart and mind of man in that area. As people, we're going to follow someone. Everybody, before Jesus came to the earth, he knew that people were already following somebody. You know, Jesus didn't come on the earth and nobody was following it, uh, uh, nobody. When he came here, they were following the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the church. And even before we became born again, we were following somebody too. You know, one of the dangerous people I, I, I follow in my life was me. The most dangerous person I follow was me. I knew what was best for me. I thought I had it all together. I could do this, that, and the other. And then y'all know what that led to. Disaster. <laughs> At times we have a valid reason to follow someone. And other times we may not. We may go along just to get along. And I've been guilty of this. I have followed people to stuff I know they were doing that wasn't right. I have, and, and they didn't have to force me to get in the car neither, my brother. All that do is say, you want to ride? Oh, yeah, I'll wait for you to ask me to ride. Sometimes I would even jump in the car, and I knew they were going to places that were no good for me. But because of the desires going on in me, I said, let's go anyway. They went by certain places, and I went with them. They didn't tell me to get out. I didn't stay in the car and wait and see what was going on. I, I was in the car doing what I would do. And I got five people that said, amen. The rest of y'all, they're looking at the rest of the rest like we, you don't know what we're talking about, all right? Now, we have to be mindful of what we hear and what we see largely influences how we think, how we talk, and how we act. False doctrines, strange ideas, humanistic mindset, man's philosophies, etc., has potential to greatly influence us. We see that even today. Even Teachings on social media can be uh, can mess up your mind if you're not careful. 
People, places, political issues, and popular opinions can impact us to the point that even those with the truth can be persuaded to leave the truth and be led by faults of social media or other worldly influences because of their doctrine, ideologies, philosophies, etc. In fact, our, our fears, insecurities, pride, and so forth, and past experiences can influence us in ways that is contrary to the, tr- to the truth that being the word of the living God. Excuse me. We need the Holy Spirit in us, leading and guiding us into all truth, not speaking of himself, but that what he hears, that will he also speak, and he will show us things to come. The Lord knew he would have to teach his people in such a manner they would have to make a decision to follow him. And that's always important. God has to teach us how to follow him. It does, and after you get saved, you have to be taught not only to follow him, but how to continue to follow him. Never think that when, once you become born again, that you got it all together. You have to learn how to follow Jesus. That is very, very important. After you give your life to Jesus, you have to learn how to continue to follow him. Anything you do in life, you have to learn how to follow any, whoever you do. If you want a job, you got to learn how to do that job. Ninety days is they want to see can you learn that job. In a relationship, you have to learn how to grow in that relationship, or else that relationship will be detrimental to you. You have to learn these things, and, and the most important person we have to learn how to follow is Jesus. The most important we have to learn how to follow is Jesus. I also believe that Jesus knew that people are already following religious traditions, religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees in a manner that was influencing the way of them conducting their lives because they prescribed to their teaching. And anybody you follow, you got to prescribe to their teaching. You have to believe it to the point that you follow it. If you don't, I hear stuff all the time. That don't mean I follow it. Don't even make, I don't even believe it. I do not even believe half of the news I hear. So you know it's hard for me to follow those folks. So I believe if I'm going to follow Jesus, i got to believe what he's saying. I've got to believe what he's saying. Now, let's go to Genesis 10, 1 through 5. Excuse me, John 10, 1 through 5. Most sincerely, I say to you, he... Who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way. The same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he's called his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. When we studied that this past Wednesday about the importance of the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice, in fact, when we read that we knew that God calls, his, he knows his own sheep by name, leads them out, goes before them, and they follow him. Jesus also warned that everyone that would not have the best interest at heart, the sheep's best interest at heart, we will be able to recognize them because they would come up, come, they would not come through the door, but will climb in some other way, the way he classified them as a thief and a robber. 
We see here in John 10 and 5 that the Lord further identifies the people who will try to negatively influence and separate the sheep from the shepherd. In fact, Jesus makes it clear not only should they not follow him, but they should flee from him. And sometimes people think you are, they may think you're a coward or you don't want to stand up to certain things because you don't want to confront it. You just run from it. But you got scripture backing you up. He said, flee from strangers. Jesus talking about the voice of a stranger. A stranger is an alien, an enemy. He's not of the family of God. Those who, those whose teachings of religious traditions, false doctrines, anything that contradicts the word of God are considered strangers. Those who are thinking, speaking, acting the way that opposes the written and revealed word of the living God. In my opinion, one reason that they are considered not of the family of God is that they are saying what they are saying does not line up with scripture. It's important that we as believers that we are diligent in scripture that we can have a better understanding of godly truth according to 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Go to 2 Timothy 2 and 15. I want to just quote you. I want you to see it for yourself as I read it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as we are diligent, as we exert ourselves and make haste to know scripture, scripture should not be something that you play with, but you got to make haste to know scripture. So in turn, you can have a better understanding of godly truth. Godly truth is what is right under any circumstance, free from error. There's no deceit in godly truth. And we have to put it like this. Truth will keep us free from being vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. And you must purposely have a lifestyle of learning scripture. You must purposely, you got to have a plan to learn scripture. You got to make in your, up in your mind that whatever I do, I'm going to learn scripture. I got to learn scripture. Listen, I can't be deceived by the enemy any longer because God give you grace when you're in the learning process. But there's a certain point. He said, hey, you should have learned that lesson by now. And so now you can go through that test on the very thing that you have learned. And so when you go through it, you got to know scripture. You got to be able to apply the written and reveal word of God. One scripture I think about, think it not strange when you, you go through fiery trials and some strange things should happen to you. People that have been in church for a while, they ought to know that they're going to go through stuff every now and then. They shouldn't be upset. Why am I going through this? I expect they're from a babe, but somebody been in church for a few years, especially you've been in a ministry like this, you all say, well, hey, it ain't nothing new. I'm going through something right now. I, why? Because I know scripture. I know that if I don't go through something, something is strange if I don't go through something. Thank y'all for them two amens right there. It should be in your uh, best estimate to say, you know what? If I'm going through something, God is doing something great in my life. And still, all things going to work together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. Now, let's go back to our notes and we'll start at the beginning. Let's refresh ourselves with the main scripture for the day. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
all who ever come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. We're picking up the conversation that we just finished in John chapter 10, verse 1 through 5, in verse 7, in which Jesus proclaims that he is the door of the sheep. Door is two representations to me. First of all, it's the name which brings salvation to those who follow his guidance. You want to become born again. You want to be saved. You got to go through Jesus. In fact, Jesus told me a little bit later, we're reading just a moment. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, if you don't get saved, you got to go through Jesus. No other way to get in. You got to go through Jesus. But also, too, Jesus is the one that gives us opportunities in life, opportunities for better, opportunities to make a difference, opportunities, amen, to receive our heart's desire, opportunities through to go in and God do a great thing in our lives. He gives us opportunity to do something. In fact, I, God is so good to us. Many of us would not have the opportunity to do things if God did not open up the door for us to have it. Because you think the devil going to open up the opportunity for you to have a successful prayer life? You got another thing coming. If, if you think the devil opened up the opportunity for you to give and it shall be given unto you? That's not going to happen. It is God that gives you opportunities to do right. That's why G is the name that brings deliverance, protection, peace, and prosperity according to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. I don't want to just, I want you to see this in scripture. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. As I was reading about the name of Jesus, I ran across a website that had over 280 names for the name of Jesus. And you know what? They still couldn't describe everything about it. Woo-wee. 280 names for the name of Jesus. There's, only, there's one name I read I did not agree with. I'm going to tell you what that name was. Normal. There's nothing normal about Jesus to me. He is the savior of the world. He is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and the morning star. He is the El Shaddai more than enough. He is our healer. He is our protection. He is our prosperity. There's nothing. What's normal about Jesus? Jesus has never been normal in the day in his life. He came through a virgin called Mary. He was, he died back at the cross called Calvary. Everybody else died on that cross, but Jesus got back up three days later. And that same Jesus is alive right now. January 20, year 2020, that same Jesus changed a person in the pink, changed a person in the blue, changed a person in the black, changed a person in the green, changed a person. Look around. Look at all the lives Jesus has changed. Oh, don't look at me. Look to your right. Look to your left. Look behind you. He changed that person. That person. Excuse me, y'all. Nothing normal about Jesus. Mm. Acts 4 and 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Because you can't even say Jesus' name and think it's going to be normal. If Jesus' name starts getting normal to you, you need to stop saying it so in, in such a nonchalant manner. When you say it with power, it's going to have some power behind it. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because the people since they all glorified God for for what had been 
done. That's that's 21, sorry. Verse 12. Verse 12, Acts 4 and 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name under heaven. The name is Jesus. The name is Jesus. Jesus will go on to declare in John 14, verse 6. In fact, let's go to John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One way you can look at that, nobody comes through that door except through Jesus. Nobody comes through that door except through Jesus. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the proper way of thinking, talking, and acting. I am the journey that you get to the Father. I am, listen, my, the way I teach you your course of conduct is the way that you will prosper. Not only that, he says, I am the truth, no error, free from error, and I am life. Jesus said, I, uh, I am, came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. No one comes to the Father except through him. In my opinion, we become known as God's sheep when we repent of our sins and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, according to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or removal of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when you repent, ask God to forgive you, and then God will remove those sins, and you can become what we consider God's sheep. God's sheep are those who have given their life to Christ and believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is so important. We've got to believe in Jesus. Died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again, and he got all power in his hand. That's not a lie right there. Let me tell you something. Anybody that can rise from the dead deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. But he didn't do it for selfish reasons. He did it because of people like us who needed a Savior. How many needed a Savior in the sanctuary? When you, But when you realize that, aren't you glad what Jesus did for your life? Ooh, thank God for what he did. That's why we must believe in the resur- resurrection because there is no salvation or faith without it. There's no salvation of faith without the resurrection. Let me show you a scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 14. Paul summed it up to the Corinthian church in this manner. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Notice what he says. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Empty and your faith is also what? Nothing. Nothing in it. I'm preaching, but if I don't believe in the resurrection, what I'm telling you is nothing. We might not even have church if the resurrection didn't happen. If God did not rise from the dead, we'll all be lost. Thank God he rose. But you know what I also said? He said, your faith is also empty if God did not rise from the dead. 
I mean, you will not have your trust, your confidence, your assurance will be in a savior that had no power. He was just like an average human being who died and nothing happened afterwards. But Jesus rose from the dead and he is up. Somebody say he's alive right now. Say it with me. He's alive right now. Oh, yes, Lord. And if he is not risen from the dead, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Let's go to jump back over to John 10 and verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Jesus makes a bold and definitive statement about all who ever came before him. All who ever came before him, whose teaching was not in line with the written and revealed word of God. These people, what he considered, were thieves and robbers. He was inclusive in regards to anyone teaching and doctrine outside of his teaching should be a warning to us. So when he says all, he's talking about all of those who did not agree with the written and revealed word of God. He said these individuals were thieves and robbers. Thieves are embezzlers. Notice this, false teachers, even abusers. They will abuse their authority, abuse their influence in your life. Just like Satan did in the Garden of Eden. He abused his influence over Eve. And they will abuse your influence over your life. And I also, too, you need to understand they are false teachers. And then they're robbers. They are take something of value, taking property by means of force, fear, or theft. You know what's interesting about that? A robber and a thief won't rob from you unless you got something valuable. What thief or what robber going to rob from somebody broke? You must have something valuable going on in your life in order for the thief or the robber to come your way. If the thief and the robber don't come your way, then what is it going to come after? Now, I'm, I'm going to show you a real natural example. How many have ever been robbed or something taken from you that in your life? Just, just your hand. Between now and the time you live. Some people have never experienced that. Pray that you never do. What are they valuable to you? What they stole? It was valuable to you, right? Can, can I be real with y'all? Now, this probably didn't happen. You probably calm, cool, and collected. I was angry when they stole from me. Angry. Now, let me say this to you. Sometimes I leave stuff on the curb that I don't care nothing about for the city to come pick up. If, the, if somebody come and get it for the city, get it. You know, I don't really lose no sleep over stuff like that. Because what? It's not valuable to me. It has no meaning to me. But when somebody robbed from you or steal from you and it's valuable to you, oh, that's, that's something. Ooh. To me, I, Lord, I can't say that. I can't say that. But let me say what I would think if I was back in the day. Those are fighting words right there. Those are, listen, I know you stole from me, but you have to fight when, if I ever see you again. Because I'm going to, I'm angry because you stole, stole something that is valuable to me. See, a thief and a robber is going to come after something that's valuable. A thief and a robber is going to come after something in your life that is valuable. Now, 
I don't have time to go into everything about this. Let me share something with you. The thief and the robber, since he can't get, since the enemy can't get to Jesus, he's going to try to steal something from you that's valuable. And really, it's not valuable. Watch this. It's not, it may not be valuable to the individual, but it's valuable to the person who died back at the cross at Calvary for your sins and for mine. So when it comes after something in your life, he's coming after what's valuable to Jesus. Cause you know, y'all know without a shadow of a doubt, some people don't see the importance of their salvation. They don't understand that being saved is a wonderful experience. It, and in fact, to me, being saved is the most valuable thing I have in my life. Listen, I may go in different cars. I may have, I may have money and not have money. I may go through situations where, uh, I, I lose, I may get rid of some old clothes or old shoes or whatever. But one thing I can never let go of is my salvation. It is the most invaluable thing that I have. My relationship with Jesus has to be, is the most valuable thing I have here on the earth. Because if I don't have a relationship with Jesus, as he talked about earlier, my faith is empty. My preaching is empty. Y'all see it here in the text. I wonder how many of you understand that the enemy could care less about your car. He care less about anything, your, your clothing. He is after your relationship with Jesus. And he will use any means necessary in order to get after. You notice what he went after in the book of Genesis when we read over Adam and Eve? What did he break up? He broke up the relationship with the king, master. Who's, when we come in our life, he's going to do whatever he can to break your relationship with Jesus. If it takes him 20 years to get your relationship with Jesus, he'll take 20 years. In order to get your relationship with Jesus. If it takes him, listen, five years to get after your relationship with Jesus, he'll do whatever he can to get after your relationship with Jesus. He'll do whatever it takes in order to come after your relationship with Jesus. When the thief and the robber comes, always remember, he's after my relationship with Jesus. Because if I have no relationship, he can get whatever he wants. I mean, think about it. Who's going to gonna stop him? Am I going to stop him? I can't bind him up in the name of Jesus and cast him out because I don't believe in Jesus. How can I? Listen, when the doctor don't know what to do, I'm trusting more in the doctors than I am God. He's after my relationship. I don't want nothing to come between me and Jesus. Scripture tells in Romans chapter 8, what, excuse me, I believe it's 8, somewhere in that neighborhood, what can separate us from the love of God? It's our love for Jesus. It's our love for Jesus. The most valuable thing I have. See, when the thief and the robber comes, he's trying to get back at Jesus for kicking them out back in, uh, in Revelations and Genesis and so forth. And when you don't have, you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, Remember what he said earlier, your faith is empty, your preaching is empty. So I thank God that Jesus loves us to the point that he said, you know, what? I'm going I'm going to protect our relationship. You may go through a lot of different things, but I'm going to protect our relationship if you allow him to protect it. 
If you allow, that's why I believe that we said in the latter part of verse eight that notice how the sheep respond to the thieves and robbers. They did not hear them. They did not perceive. They did not understand. They did not comprehend him. Why? Because they knew if they understood that because they would lose their relationship with Jesus. They would lose it. They would lose it. That's why as God's sheep, we can't afford to allow traditional teachings, strange mindsets about biblical truth to lead us astray or disconnect us from Jesus. Especially when it comes to praying. Because who do we pray to? We pray to who? Jesus. Who do we love? Jesus. Jesus. Who do we give to? Jesus. Who do we hear and obey? It is God's word that comes from Jesus. That's why we got to know scripture. You got to know scripture. That's why the thief and the robbers after our most prized possession, which is our faith in the power of the resurrection. He'll try to come after your confidence or your trust in Jesus rising from the dead. He'll try to come after your assurance that Jesus rose from the dead. He'll come after your, listen, your, how you please God about you, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, it, listen, that's why no matter what you go through in life, you say, you know what? I may be going through financially. I may be going through in my body, but you know what? If that same Jesus that rose, amen, that same Jesus that rose from the dead should quicken our mortal body, we should also get up to. I get up out of my financial situation. I get up out of being challenged in my body. I get up out of oppression and depression, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of murder, thoughts of unforgiveness. I get up out of it because Jesus got out of it. He'll get you out of it too. Tell somebody he'll get you out of it too. Listen, when Jesus got out of that grave, he showed the enemy, there's nothing that you can put on me that I can't get out of. You know what's powerful? There's nothing that the enemy can put on you that God can get you out of. There's nothing in your life that Jesus can't get you out of. Listen, he may not get you out when you want, but tell your neighbor sooner or later. You're going to come out of that thing. Who tells my sooner or later? You're going to come out of that thing. Ooh, boy, that's good news right there. Listen, it, listen, all things are working together for my good because I love God and I'm called according to his person purpose. Sooner or later, I'm coming out of this. Listen, I might be in a bad job, but sooner or later, I'm coming out of this. I may be in a bad situation with my family, but I'm coming out of this. I may be challenging my body, but sooner or later, I'm coming out. I may be challenged financially, but sooner or later, I am coming I'm coming out. Tell somebody I'm coming out. Tell another person I'm coming out. See, death and life are in the power of the tongue. The enemy says you're gonna be in there forever, but you tell you just told you just confess that you coming out of what you in. And it's good to know you coming out. Because a thief and a robber will paint the picture like you should be in this thing forever. Like, like you should always have this going on in your life. But tell somebody, I'm not always going to be like this. Oh, no, 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 And so the thief and the robber is after our most prized possession, which is our faith in the power of the resurrection. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and 6. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, it's impossible to please him if we don't have faith. Would you have faith then? Let me tell you something, what I've learned walking with Jesus. Walking with Jesus, God does not do things on my timetable. But the resurrection is still true. If you always believe, listen, as long, whatever you're dealing with in life, whatever you're going through, always believe in the resurrection. Always. No matter if you've been challenging your body, and you've been challenged with the same thing for years, always believe in the resurrection. Always believe that Jesus is alive right now. Because if you believe that Jesus is alive right now, there's hope for whatever you are dealing with in your life. There's hope. And hope maketh not a shame. It maketh not a shame. There's hope. There's hope. That's why it takes a strong relationship with Jesus. If we are going to avoid being led by the teaching of thieves and robbers. Jesus is our deliverer. He's our protector. He is our forgiver. He is our all-knowing God. He is all-powerful. He is protective. He is love. And again, over 280 words I saw. Only one I did, didn't, did not agree with, which was normal. I never seen anything about Jesus that is normal from a human standpoint. But from my standpoint, oh, he's more than normal. I don't even know. Listen, he does super abundantly in my life. He, I know he do the same thing for you. He does exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. But thieves and robbers will paint Jesus as somebody, amen, that can't do what he said he can do in the word. That's why Jesus is going to instruct the people that he is the way to be saved. And we must enter the kingdom of God by him. According to John chapter 10 and verse 9. When he says, say, we're going to be delivered, we're going to be protected, and we are going to prosper. So when you give your life to Jesus, you can expect to be delivered from things that have been holding you in bondage in the past. That's why he says that you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You should expect protection, supernatural protection operating in your life, and you should expect to prosper. What's prosper mean? To be better than what you were. Well, Pastor, I'm giving it. Some things are getting worse, but actually, you're better than what you were. Because there used to be a time you didn't even give. Now, you're in a better position to receive. Because when you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. But not only financially, but you're in a position that God, I was talking to a friend of mine just recently, and she was talking about how she went on vacation at a place and, and, and she had such a good time. You ever heard her talking about this vacation? I mean, she did. Woo! I got happy just, I was happy just listening to her talk. But you know what was interesting? What she told me about that I, that we kind of talked about how the God does stuff. She said the reason she wouldn't go is because she didn't have money. Let me tell you something. Her financial situation didn't change. <laughs> Y'all wanna get this? But favor was waiting for her to go on vacation. Favor will have you doing stuff that people said you can't do on a natural budget. 
Natural budget says you ain't don't you can't go on vacation. You can't do this, that, and the other. But favor had it gone. She did not have get a raise. She didn't get no extra money. She said, I had the same amount of money. I went on a five-day vacation, stayed in a hotel that was supposed to be over two hundred something dollars a night. I paid I was happy for her. I said, look what favor does. She said, you know what? When I thought about going on vacation, it was a fault. But then somebody walked up to me and said, you know what? I want, I want to help you and bless you go on this vacation. Can you see what favor can do in somebody's life if you have it? That's what, see, prosperity will do that for you. That's why you can't go by when you look at your, your pocketbook and say, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. No, God got favor that goes beyond your natural budget. I'm talking to somebody in the sanctuary. You've been looking at your budget and you think I can't do this, that, and the other. But God says, I got favor waiting on you. You can receive your heart desire if you operate in that favor. I see. Okay, God, I see why you told us in Psalm 37 a few minutes ago, they meant that I will give you your heart desire. God is looking to somebody in the sanctuary to give them their heart desire. You keep looking at your checkbook. You keep looking at your savings account. You keep looking at your uh, investment, but keep on giving, honey child, because sooner or later, God going to open up the door of favor. You're going to be riding in it. You're going to be going on vacation. You're going to be wearing it. You're going to be styling and profiling. You're going to be like the most high God if you look at God instead of looking at your natural circumstances. So now, that's why when we, when we hear the word of salvation, we got to share it with friends, co-workers, family members, etc. That we have access to salvation through Jesus as well. See, some of, uh, some of them Oh, God, it, it, it can have a relationship with Jesus as well. You got co-workers that need a relationship, family members that need a relationship, friends and loved ones that need a relationship. And that's, and see, Jesus is not a respecter of persons. The same God that did it before can do it for you again. Are y'all following me here? That's why he is such a magnificent savior God can save us God can deliver us God can heal us God can do it let me tell you something. there's nothing God can't do in our lives I like what they said in the Old Testament is anything too hard for our savior is anything too hard for our savior listen when Jesus got out of that grave we ought to be under, we should know by now, hey, ain't nothing too hard for him. Nothing too hard for them. So when the thief comes, he said, you know what? I know Jesus got out of the grave, but it ain't going to work for you. Really? I know Jesus rose three days later. He got up all these other people, but he's not going to get you up. I know Jesus blessed person A or person B, but he's not going to do that for you. And this is what you need to understand. The thief and the robber are going to look like smooth, everyday, nice dress, kinfolks, loved ones, people in authority. 
etc. They're going to look like that, but they're going to be a thief and a robber. What are they trying to take you away from? The resurrection. They're trying to take you away from Jesus. They're trying to take you from the one that has your deliverance, has your protection, and has your prosperity. You know, sometimes you can be sitting around and have thoughts come across your mind. They said, you know what? I ain't going to make it. it it's gonna, this, is, this, is, this is too hard for me. I can't do this. And, and you know what's real interesting about them thoughts? You got evidence to back it up. Your, your doctor report will be evidence to back it up. You could, I'm not talking about anybody in the sanctuary, okay? Unless, you know, let the Holy Spirit put your name on you can look back over your own life. Oh, man. I, I should have been a whole lot further along than what I am right now. And this is, this is what, what, what is, um, well, that could be true. But you got to believe that God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to give you hope and a future and an expected end. You ought to know that where you at right now, that God got something greater for you. Can, can I share something with you? The enemy sees something in you that you can't even see in yourself. Why do you think he's trying to steal it from you? Why he trying, you think he's trying to rob you of it? Why is it before you even get started good, he always trying to cut your legs out from under you? Every time you start to take a step up, he'll pull the, the chair off from under you or pull, pull the step off from under you. You fall down and you think that that's it because you fell down. God said, a many times you fall down. Didn't uh, um, Donnie McClurkin sing that song? We fall down, but we get back. And sometimes you got to get up again and again and again and again. Y'all know I ain't going to finish today, right? <laughs> this is going to be part one. Hallelujah. We're about to go to part two. <laughs> you can come back the next time and get up. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to finish this up and we're going to call it, all right? Because I got a lot more I need to share with y'all, but I need to kind of wrap this up, all right? So y'all all right? All right, good, good, good. I promise you, I'm going to get to the rest of the notes. I just got to. Hallelujah. Here we go. So let me say this to you. I want you to know this for one of my closing points. The thief and the robber is not after your car. I'll be honest with you. He's really not after your body. He just, he, he don't want you to believe in the resurrection. You think the devil going to live in your body or my body? Because I can only run so far. <laughs> go after that person. He ain't gonna use my body to go after nobody. He's not gonna use my mind to try to trick anybody. He got enough trickery within himself. But what he wants to do, he's after my faith. He's after my trust. He's after my assurance. He's after my confidence in the risen Savior. Because if he gets that, he got it. So what I need to do, I need to continue to study scripture. 
because faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I need to continue to hear the word of God. I need to continue to believe in the written and the revealed word of God. And we'll take it up next time. Stand with you now. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.